Though you found yourself stumbling into sin once again, what now? Is there hope for you held out here in the Lord's Prayer? We have an affirmative yes to that question, as we'll see next on Abounding Grace. Join us. You've resisted as best you can, yet the temptation still is stronger and you stumble and fall into sin. So what do you do now? Well, fortunately, the Lord's Prayer is there just for you at that point in time. We pray here in the sixth petition, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. You see, that first part is lead us not into temptation. And we've talked about that, but there are times when we do stumble. And that's when we're seeking for the Lord to deliver us from the evil that we've stumbled into. It's an encouraging portion of prayer that we're looking at today as we continue our series on the Lord's Prayer. Join us from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Here's our teacher and pastor with this edition of Abounding Grace. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner. We pray that if tempted, that by His Spirit we may, powerf- we may be powerfully supported and enabled to stand in the hour of temptation. So we are praying, lead us not in temptation, meaning, Lord, keep those temptations from my path that are greater than I can bear. And second, we are praying, Lord, in my weak moments, and I do face temptation, and I'm struggling with them, doing hand-to-hand combat with them, keep me, support me, watch over me, protect me, don't let me say yes. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. I want you to remember these passages that I'm referring to in all of my sermons are footnotes that are taken right from the larger catechism. But even more importantly than that, they are excellent for us to use as prayers in our own lives because they explain, they supplement, and they apply what the sixth petition says. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 13 and 16. Try praying this yourself. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth desires its name or its authority, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in the inner man. Paul prays that God, the Father of Jesus, would strengthen Christians with power through his Spirit in the inner man. Now this is a prayer by the Apostle for those whom the book of Ephesians was written. And he is praying for them, Lord, strengthen them as believers. Strengthen their hearts by the Holy Spirit so that when they face temptation, they will not cave in. He's saying as he concludes the book, Lord, strengthen them with your spirit so that they will be strong in you and in your might that they might be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil, that they might put on the whole armor of God, that they might be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. You see, Paul takes seriously the fact that there are things in the world and things in our hearts that are out to destroy us. So he says, Lord, strengthen them in the inner man by the power of your Holy Spirit so they can be strong, so they can stand in the strength of your might, so they can stand firm against all the schemes of the devil, so that after everything is said and done, they will be able to resist in the evil day. 
That is when they have to stare evil right in the face. And having done everything, Lord, help them to stand firm as a century and not cave in because the city depends upon their vigilance. Why is it that Paul wants us to stand firm and resist when the enemy approaches? It is because he knows that the city is at stake and we're at centuries. And if Satan and sin and temptation can bring us down, then they've knocked a hole in the wall. They have torn down the gate and the enemy can enter into the city through them. How many families, how many churches, how many communities have been destroyed for even generations because one person surrendered to temptation? I'm sure we can all tell stories of a father or a mother or some relative caving into temptation and bringing ruin to the entire family. I've seen it many times. So Paul prays here in Ephesians as he wants us to pray, Lord, keep us firm and keep us strong. Strengthen us in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we will be faithful and vigilant in our place as sentries, guarding our families and our homes and our communities. And we'll not cave in when the enemies attack, but we'll stand firm in the strength of the Lord. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Here's, a, here's another prayer for you. Chapter 3, verses 11 through 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 11 through 13. Now may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you, and may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all men, just as we also do for you, so that he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all of his saints. Turn Paul's prayer for the Thessalonians into a prayer for yourself. Father, I pray that you would cause my love for other Christians and for other people to increase and abound. And I pray that you would establish my heart unblameable in holiness before you, my God and Father, at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now look at, look at some words here. He says, so that God may establish your heart. The word establish means to buttress, to fortify, support, encourage. Lord, when I'm in the face of temptation and it's coming on me hot and heavy, be my fortress. Support me, encourage me, strengthen me so that I might stand blameless in the holiness before you. So that when temptation comes, however fiery it may come, Lord, strengthen me, buttress, support, fortify, encourage me so I can stand firm and remain blameless whenever everyone else has fallen right and left to the same temptation. Lord, may I stand blameless before you. Now, there's a little prepositional phrase here you need to notice. It does not say, Lord, establish me that I might remain blameless before men. Now, it is important to be blameless before men. It is important for you when people are watching you for the sake of our Christian witness and the reputation of the Lord Jesus Christ to be blameless. 
that other people might be led to the Christian faith. But here Paul prays, Lord, may these Christians be established by you in their hearts, unblameable in holiness before your face, before our God, so that when we look in their lives, we see people who are being strengthened by God to make every effort to be blameless in the face of temptation when everyone else is caving in. And there will be a lot of those situations in our lives where you will have friends around you and you will have to stand all by yourself and everyone else will cave in. Everyone else will smoke that pot. Everyone will laugh at those filthy jokes. Everyone else will spread that gossip. Everyone else will get involved in a bad relationship. Everyone else will go to that movie. There's nothing like peer pressure, is there? So you pray, Lord, while all of my peers are pressing me to cave into this temptation like they do, I pray that you will help me in my heart to be blameless before you so that when they look into my heart, they may see me and laugh and reject and ostracize me but you see me strengthened by your spirit, making every effort to be faithful. That is what it is to pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now turn with me to Jude. Jude is the next to the last chapter of the Bible, and it's actually only a book of the Bible, and it's only one chapter long. And I'm going to read verses 24 and 25. And this is another prayer of ascription and of praise. Jude, verses 24 and 25. Now to him, that is God, who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, authority, before all time, both now and forever. Amen. That is a great ascription of praise. Notice that Jude focuses on two things. He focuses on God's almighty ability to keep you from stumbling. And by the way, stumbling is a metaphor that means to sin. To keep you from caving into temptation and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. And then the second focus is that God's majestic glory, God's sovereignty, God's savior, her God's all-sufficient grace is revealed in the Lord Jesus Christ. This all-sufficient, all-powerful grace that God reveals in the Lord Jesus Christ is available to each one of us. So that we can say with reference to Christ, as we trust in Him, I am complete in Him. Everything I need to be in this world, I am in Him. Everything I need in this world to keep standing in the face of temptation, I have in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is par excellence. The revelation of the splendorous majesty and glory, all-sufficient grace, almighty power, and strength of God. And when it comes to temptation, that is all we need. And there is another word we need to look at. He is praying not only that the Lord, when we face temptation, would keep us from stumbling, but make us stand blameless with great joy. 
So now we are praying, Lord, as I face this temptation, help me to resist it right here and now, to stand blameless before you and fill my heart with joy as I do it. You know what? There is nothing like the joy that comes when we resist temptation. What is the alternative? You know, there is pleasure in sin. Why, why would we sin if it's not fun? No one will sin if they don't get pleasure from it. The Bible says that there is pleasure in sin for a season, but it is nothing like the joy that you experience when everyone else around you is caving in and you say no. God has strengthened me in my inner man with a power that enables me, enables me to stand firm as a sentry and it fills me with joy. Not because of myself. Oh, I'm a great person and I feel so confident at this point in time. No. It is because God is reassuring me of His presence in my life. My prayer is answered. God is here. God is everything He said He would be to me. God does everything He said He would do in me as I pray and ask Him to lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Here is proof that my God is a prayer-answering God and that fills our life with joy. Now, I want you to notice that our catechism says only God can save us. Only God can keep us saved. Only God can keep us standing in blamelessness and great joy in the midst of our temptation. And therefore, because only God can keep us from giving in to temptation, our prayer must be short and sweet and simple. Lord, keep me from stumbling and keep me standing. Try praying that the next time you're tempted, whether it involves sex or money or prestige or bitterness or envy or anger or whatever it may be. The next time you face temptation, pray that little prayer, Oh God, keep me from stumbling and keep me standing. This temptation with all of its power is strong. Keep me from stumbling and keep me standing in blamelessness and in joy in the midst of these temptations. We're also praying that we might be rescued from temptation when we cave into it. We are praying that God will keep us from being overwhelmed by temptations too great for us to stand. We are praying that God would strengthen and fortify us when we face those temptations. But when we pray the sixth petition, we are also praying that when we do give in to temptation, God would bring us to a quick recovery. Here again is what our catechism says. We pray that when fallen, raised again, and recovered out of it, we have a sanctified use and improvement thereof. Because of our struggle with indwelling sin as Christians, we as believers don't always do the good things we really want to do, and we often do the sinful things we really don't want to do. And all too often, we yield to temptations inexcusably. And whenever you and I yield to temptation and sin, there are two things we need God to do for us quickly. One is that God would raise us up out of the effects of that temptation and bring us to full spiritual recovery so that we don't wallow in the mire and the filth and the muck of it. But having caved in, we pray, 
Oh, Lord, what a fool I was. How stupid, how wicked I was. Oh, God, recover me quickly out of this pit. That's the first thing we need to ask God, to raise us out of the temptation and to bring us to recovery. Then second, we need for God to enable us to learn from that temptation we fell into and to use it for our spiritual advantage. Now let's look at that for just a few minutes. When you cave into temptation, the first thing you need to pray for quickly is that God would raise you out of that filth and that God would bring you to full recovery. And that's what David did. In his great psalm of confession, 51.12, he says, Restore me to the joy of thy salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit. Just as God and only God can save us from sin in the first place, only God can rescue us and recover us out of that sin. So don't ever hesitate to ask him, beloved. David knew that. So in his prayer of confession, he not only prays that God would forgive him for the sin that he had with Bathsheba and cleanse him, but he prays, Lord, restore me to the joy of my salvation. The salvation that you have given me, I don't have that joy anymore. Return that joy to me, Lord. Now notice another word. And he says to God, Lord, I know there's only one way to have that joy restored. I've caved in. I've lost my joy. I desperately want it back. Please return it to me. And then notice the rest of the sentence. And sustain me with a willing spirit. In other words, David is saying God is not going to restore joy unto me until God restores me to godly living. Lord, don't let this set me back. Don't let me think that because I've committed one sin, I will commit another and another. Lord, restore me to the joy of my salvation by restoring a spirit that wants to serve you for the rest of my life. Keep these two thoughts together. You say, I don't have that joy I once had. Well, there's a reason for that. And that is because you have probably caved into temptation. And maybe you've kept on caving into temptation. And now is the time, beloved, to stop caving in and to cry out to God for mercy, for recovery, and for renewal of your obedience to Him. Lord, sustain within me a willing spirit that wants to serve you. You see, sin interrupts a believer's fellowship with God. Sin always destroys our joy. It always weakens our assurance of God's favor. Therefore, when we pray for forgiveness of sin, we must also pray that God will give us back an assurance of that fellowship that we once had, that He would restore the joy, and that He would do it by sustaining within us the spirit of spontaneous conformity to God's will. And that's what we are praying for when we pray the sixth petition. And I'm praying that God would recover me, rescue me. I fall into a hole, Lord. I've lost my joy. And how does God recover us? He brings us to repentance of our sins and the rededication and renewal of our obedience to Him. Lord, restore to me the joy of Thy salvation and sustain, create, renew within me a willing spirit that I lost for a time. Lord, I want the joy back. 
I want the willing spirit back. Recover me. Hear the joy recovered in David in Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet on a rock, making my footsteps firm. And he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to my God. Many will see it in fear and will trust the Lord, he says. He said, Lord, I was in a pit. You came down with me and you brought me out of that pit. You set my feet on solid ground. You put a song of praise in my heart. You gave me my joy back. You gave me my godly life back. And I praise you for it. Have you ever experienced anything like that? That is the truth about every Christian's experience. The Christian life is not just doctrine and ethics. It's also experiences, beloved. Have you ever experienced this? So when David says, I was one time in a pit because I caved into temptation, I felt like I was stuck in quicksand, and then God came down when I cried out for him to recover me, and he pulled me out of that pit. He set me back where I was. He renewed my commitment to him, restored my joy, and put a new song of praise in my mouth. True Christians experience this. And that is what you pray for when you pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. And lastly, beloved, learn everything you can from these temptation experiences. Remember, God even uses the evil in our lives to teach us something about himself and ourselves. First of all, it humbles us and teaches us we cannot survive in this world without him in any way, shape, or form. We must draw close to him and keep close to him in prayer and all the other means of grace, fellowship with our brothers and sisters, Bible study, worship, the sacraments. Don't ever neglect these things. Don't ever take them for granted. These things strengthen our union with him. There's not one self-sufficient bone in our bodies. He must be first and foremost in our lives. If we are not relying fully upon Him and regularly partaking in the means of grace, we will fail over and over again. And we learn that we cannot live on the precipice. We must not ever play with temptation. We must avoid and run from those things that we know we cannot resist. Beloved, we are weak and wicked outside of Christ and must, as the Puritans from the Valley of Vision, pray. O Spirit of God, help my infirmities. When I am pressed down with a load of sorrow, perplexed and knowing not what to do, slandered and persecuted, made to feel the weight of the cross, Help me, I pray thee. If thou seest in me any wrong thing encouraged, any evil desire cherished, any delight that is not thy delight, any habit that grieves thee, any nest of sin in my heart, then grant me the kiss of thy forgiveness and teach my feet to walk the way of thy commandments. 
Deliver me from carking care or burdensome care. And make me a happy, holy person. Help me to walk the separated life with firm and brave step and to wrestle successfully against weakness. Teach me to laud and adore and magnify thee with the music of heaven and make me a perfume of praiseful gratitude for thee. I do not crouch at thy feet as a slave before a tyrant, but exalt before thee as a son with a father. Give me power to live as thy child in all my actions and do exercise sonship by conquering self. Preserve me from the intoxication that comes of prosperity. Sober me when I am glad with joy that comes not from thee. Lead me safely on to the eternal kingdom, not asking whether the road be rough or smooth. I request only to see the face of him I love, to be content with bread to eat, with raiment to put on, if I can be but brought to thy house in peace. That is what you pray when you ask the Lord to not lead you into temptation, but deliver you from evil. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484, Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. <music>